Hey everybody, this is Ray Telsh, and this is episode 28 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everybody's having a good week out there. I know we're not back to normal, we're kind of in our new normal at this point, as requests to shelter in place stay in enforcement or get more severe, depending upon where you live. Uh, This week would have marked the end of my state's original request for shelter in place, but instead that request has become an order. I'm over it. I'm, I'm completely over it. Well... Let me be clear about that. I'm not so much over the coronavirus, although I am, but I'm over all of the Tiger King fad that's going on right now. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, God, I wish I were you. But this is a new show that's on Netflix that has taken the world by storm. It's almost as if its timing couldn't have been more perfect to come out when everybody's trapped inside and is subject to watching this. I still haven't watched it. I have no intention to. I watched the trailer for it. But memes and scenes and references have overtaken every aspect that I have seen from Facebook to Twitter to my guild discord for World of Warcraft to everything. It's I'm done with it. Please stop. Please go watch something intelligent. Watch something good. Uh, you know, go back and listen to one of the previous 27 episodes of this podcast and use that as inspiration to watch something. But please, can we stop glorifying Tiger King, please? So I've been thinking recently about an episode of House. I can't tell you specifically where in the series it fell, but it was an episode that stood out to me very much so. I've seen it more than once. Uh, It has Kurtwood Smith, best known for playing Red Foreman in that 70s show, or uh, Boddicker in RoboCop. It has Dave Matthews in it. And in the episode, Kurtwood Smith plays Dave Matthews' father. Dave Matthews plays an idiot savant who is a genius at playing the piano, but is pretty much incapable of every other aspect of his life. And over the course of the episode, House, being the brilliant doctor that he is, feels like he can fix the young man, that that he can uh, give him a normal life, but it may affect his ability to play music. And Kurtwood Smith refuses this sort of treatment, and there is an altercation between House and the father figure, where House accuses him of being selfish and basically says all other parents have to sit and watch their kids grow up and deal with that, and you don't have to because your kid is stuck at a point that he will be dependent upon you for the rest of his life. And I remember the first time I saw that episode thinking, you tell him, House, he's selfish. And then I remember the second time I saw that episode going, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe dad's right about this and House is overstepping his bounds. And the difference between the two times I saw that episode was having a child of my own. And that really changed my perspective. And and I find that is true about a lot of things, not just because I had a child, but where we are in life impacts how we perceive things and how we respond to things. And that's certainly the truth with this week's movie, which is the 2013 adaptation 
of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. As I'll talk about in the episode, the first time I saw it, I had a certain preconceived notion about it, and the more recent time I saw it, it resonated with me in a very different way. So I really am appreciative of this week's guest, who is Alex Kunka, who reached out with wanting to watch this movie. Now, uh, Alex is not a podcaster like many of the guests I've had on recently. He's just somebody who stumbled across the show and decided he wanted to come on and talk about it, which, of course, I encourage. I, I love having anybody on. Uh, but we have a wonderful conversation about the movie, and we do talk about how it resonates differently with me now than it did when I saw it in 2013 when it first hit theaters. So we're going to go ahead and get into that now. This week's wonderful conversation about Ben Stiller's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty from 2013. And here we go. I actually was at a point where I was getting ready to pull off of social media altogether. uh, Just because it can just be so overwhelmingly negative. Which, as you you just kind of said, that's not feedback. And then I started doing the podcast again, and the first thing anybody will recommend to you is you need to have a strong social media presence to build your audience. And I was like, well, damn it, I was just getting ready to get out. (laughs) I know. And it it hurts because you want to pull yourself away from the social media world. You want time to yourself, but you also understand, well, if I want to make this some kind of business model, I need to be public in certain fashions. And I'm I'm so bad at I mean I was bad at that with my old show and I'm <laughs> I'm I'm getting better but it's like it, it, you can't sit there and look at the numbers and go why mm-hmm. aren't they growing if you're also not willing to put that time in you know building relationships through the various social media channels yeah and from a lot of the other podcasts I listen to it's not so much from, from what they say it's not so much looking at the numbers it's are you enjoying what you're doing is this what you want to do if you want to of course make it a profitable thing. The numbers are extremely important, but they said over time, those numbers won't matter compared to the content you're giving to people and, and things like that. So I get it, but uh, yeah, I, I actually (laughs) just had that conversation with a fellow podcaster in the last week who was quite down on how things were going, that he wasn't hearing back from an audience. You know, he'd ask questions, he wouldn't get answers, and, and it was just that that was the advice I gave him is you got to have fun with it. Yep. You got to you got to enjoy, enjoy it because that's the only way to keep it going. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I, I, I myself can get down on it, but you got to also remember you can't control how other people are going to take and perceive things. And uh, I haven't been on Twitter more than a year. And I'll be honest, I've gotten maybe five or six likes total. Uh, I'm only pos- uh, putting something once a week. But uh, I had a really good idea for something WoW related, and um, uh, Garrett Weinzerl, he does the he does a lot of podcasts. If you haven't heard him, he yeah he does also, the instance yeah. yeah WoW Killer now um, WoW Killer now yeah he's also a fan of kind of uh, punk or kind of hard rock and things like that. So I'm like, okay, Boulevard's such a big part of this one. I'm gonna make a WoW cover of Boulevard, but I'm gonna make it. It was Green Day. And I was thinking, oh, what was a popular song? Oh, Boulevard of, Broken, Boulevard of Broken Dreams. And that's what I made. I put it up there. 200 likes, bunch of retweets. I was like, is this what all it takes? <laughs> One good idea? <laughs> yep. Because I've had several and they don't bite. Well, sometimes it's just the right thing. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it can be. That's. I mean, it's such a fickle way of doing things anyway. I just, I, I'm so opposed to social media in so yeah. many ways. And yet. 
it's a it's a necessary evil at the same time. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, I worked at an Apple store for four years. Um, I see the benefits, and I, uh, especially people with accessibility needs, having having other people in the same predicaments as them to be able to reach out to. But I also see the mind melting reality of everyone uses it, just for funny things. Of course, everybody likes a laugh, but it also is just deteriorating our minds. Yeah. And it's, it's that social, I mean, the, the, the common, and actually I think this is going to come up in our conversation about the movie, because <laughs> I've been thinking about it a lot since I rewatched the movie yesterday, but that line that you'll see every once in a while about, um, don't judge your life by somebody else's highlight reel, mm-hmm. which is what we tend to do with social media is, you know, you don't post all the bad stuff or all the mundane stuff that you go through to Facebook, you post yep. the highlights. You post, oh, isn't this, you know, isn't the dinner I made gorgeous? You don't post the fact that it took you three hours to get that picture. Or, you know, isn't my husband wonderful? And you don't post the fact that you guys were up at 2 a.m. with a fight. So that idea of, you know, you have to live your life, not look at somebody else's highlight reel where they're posting the highlights of them. Absolutely. And, and social media is, I mean, that's that's a huge problem with social media. <laughs> it really is. So what kind of movies do you usually like? I can watch any movie put in front of me. Um, I can tell you the movies I didn't like, if you want me to list a few. Hey, that works too. <laughs> uh, I believe I was getting sick during this, but The Isle of Dogs, I just couldn't grasp. I, it wasn't wasn't the movie for me. Do you usually like Wes Anderson movies? I do. Yeah. But you um, didn't like that one. No. Interesting. And I'm a big art person too. Claymation is something I grew up with. Chicken Run, unfortunately, was a movie I watched very often. <laughs> I like Chicken <laughs> Run. <laughs> um, but another movie I went to theaters, the only one I ever really wanted to walk out of, and I should have, even though the tickets were free, was Movie 43. Have you seen oh, that Oh, dear God. No, I have not. And I have zero interest in seeing it. Which means it, somebody inevitably will pick it for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it hurt my soul um, mm-hmm. very often because there's different skits throughout the movie. And every time you're like, oh my gosh, I love that actor, that actress. And then they show you a way to make them not, you not love them anymore. Interesting. Just wanted to put that one out there because I, I have another friend that's like, oh, movie 43 is one of my favorite. And I'm like, I don't know if we can talk about movies. <laughs> i i had that happen with a friend very early on he he liked a, a comedy that i just thought was abysmal and we ended up being really good friends despite it but it it always came back it was like yeah but you liked this movie right <laughs> right having a conflict especially with movies video games music that's an easy way to have a good conversation as long as you can stay civil about it but when it comes right. to that movie i i can't well and that's i've heard horrible things about it i i, I yeah yeah. I mean, the fact that it wasn't when we did um, the Kentucky Fried movie, which was kind of, you know, the great grandfather to a film like that, uh, it, it didn't even come up as like people recommend it type thing, which yeah. I was surprised. There, in fact, there's a movie that didn't come up by the algorithm for today's show that I'm a little surprised, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I've, I've actually got a few myself. Uh, I haven't looked into the algorithm yet. I don't want to cheat. <laughs> All right. Um, so... You know, it, it dawned on me this week, you know, almost 30 episodes of this recorded. And the, the the concept of this show is, you know, movies that people haven't seen, that people are flabbergasted when they haven't seen. Right. So for my guests, one of my 
default questions should be, what are your have not seen this movies? So you're the first one I get to ask that because I didn't think about it in almost 30 episodes. But so what are the movies you haven't seen that people are astonished? Ooh, I don't have this one preloaded and generated. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think. I finally saw Valerian the other day. Uh-huh. Um, it's pretty I have good. not I'm, seen that one still. <laughs> I'm very much a Mass Effect fan and the, the newer Star Treks were wonderful as well. This movie was good. I, I wouldn't say it's on the same level as those, but a good movie overall. <sighs> really blanking on what came out. Oh, Joker. I haven't seen that yet. Um, okay. Everybody's raving about that. Birds of Prey apparently blew everybody's expectation. And, and I normally do keep up with current movies. Uh, those are just ones I didn't get a chance to see. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I wasn't excited to see. Yeah, I still haven't seen Joker. Um, I, I tried to do kind of a last minute Oscar dash and I just, I don't know. I'm just having trouble pulling the trigger on that one because I've, I've heard such mixed reviews about it, uh, that I just, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I will see it eventually, but right now it just, the, the desire isn't there. I really want to take a few years for it to fester, die in everybody's minds and then it pop up on hulu or netflix and be like you haven't seen this and be like you know what i haven't it's been five years let's see what all this is about because that's actually how i what i did with game of thrones i waited for almost all of it to be out um i think the last two seasons were the only things that were left and everybody was hyping it of course but i was like you know what i i don't want to care until i'm ready well and that's the kind of thing that's got to go on your own timeline i think that's a really brilliant idea as far as how to approach it Mm mm-hmm and I'm not saying that because I've only watched one season of Game of Thrones, but and I I didn't start it until the series was done, right? Uh, but I had read the books, so you know I had those characters in my head already. I had right. those events, at least you know the ones that match between the books and the and the series. I have those in my head already, so I didn't feel this driving need to watch the series. So now you need to kind of wait for yourself for maybe the books to feel a little old to you. To be like, yeah, I need a refresher, but in a different medium. And then you might be surprised. It kind of be might the show might be the deleted scenes for you. Like other people exactly. think the books are the deleted scenes of certain movies. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, when I watched season one last year, that was already kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Oh, was that in the book? You know, and, and it, it's, it's a neat way. I, I, I appreciate watching it with the books under my belt. I'm sure I still would liked the series without the books, but there's just so much more depth that I'm reminded of by watching the show. Right. Uh, I'm actually reading Harry Potter finally for the first time. I'm on book four. Uh, it is taking me almost a year to finish this book because books are just hard to pick up sometimes. Uh, there's a million oh, yeah. other things going on. <laughs> yeah, I read significantly less than I than I did. So you've never read the books. Have you seen the movies? I've seen all the movies. Um, fun fact, I was working at Universal actually when the last movie came out. And that was very interesting because uh, as soon as the movie ended at midnight, the people saw it opening night, really excited. Uh, PA came on. They're like, hey, for everybody that came, we really want to take it a little further for you. For the next two hours from like three in the morning to five in the morning, you guys can go into the Universal parks and you can just hang out in the Harry Potter section because the movie theater is on uh, the property oh, down in Orlando. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't gotten to Harry Potter World yet because I'm a Disney guy. So I have yet to go to Orlando and not go to Disney World and go to or go to anywhere other than Disney World. So um, before Universal, I got the chance to work at Disney, which is also 
amazing uh, and, and also some horror stories, but that's not what this podcast is about. No. In fact, let's get on topic here. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty from 2013. Not the original Danny Kaye version, but the 2013 version. This was directed by Ben Stiller, written by Steve Conrad, based on the novel by James Thurber, or short story, I should say, by James Thurber, starring Ben Stiller, Kristen Wiig, John Daly, Catherine Hahn, Terrence Bernie Hines, Adam Scott, Paul Fitzgerald, and Adrian Martinez. Hi, how can I help you today? Hi, I can't seem to leave a wink for someone. Okay, uh, I'm looking at your profile. You left a lot of this stuff blank. Well, I haven't really been anywhere noteworthy or mentionable. Have you have you done anything noteworthy, mentionable? We have ahead of us the privilege of publishing the very last issue of Life magazine. Jumping up and down the floor. And for the final issue, we just received negative 25 from Sean O'Connell for the cover. It's 25. It's not there. I know. Look what I found! What's that? Travel journal Dad gave me. The sun was an okay guy. Hey. Hey. How was your weekend? Have an awesome weekend. The ice, Jace. She moves like a woman. I'd like to climb your hair. Oh, wow. What is it you call it when he goes into one of his little places? Oh, zoned out. You do that now and then. What's the matter? I lost a picture. I like mysteries. You should go. Crack the case. You were Sean's partner. He finishes work. Just a, a slew of people that you want to see on screen. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I mean, it's interesting. One of my first thoughts uh, before we get into the actual questions, I guess, is Adam Scott plays such a reprehensible character here. And and has done so. I like. Have you seen The Good Place? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you're familiar with the fact that he can play this absolute dickwad, as yep. you know, Walter puts it there towards the <laughs> end of the movie. How is it that he can be so lovable in something like Parks and Rec and so reprehensible here? I think it's the beard to start with. That was one of the worst beards I've ever seen. <laughs> it it is. Could you it please is just terrible. match the colors? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. I wasn't too surprised by that because of stepbrothers, him being that brother that's kind of always the jerk, the the pushy one. But to see him in this corporate world, which I have recently joined for probably the last two or three years, I've I've worked a more corporate job than some of the other ones I've worked. Sure, I, I mentioned Universal uh, and, and Apple and Disney, but those were all it more of a retail function. Right. Being in the corporate world now, I have seen so many people that fit his attitude. And I do understand where he's coming from. Transitions are very difficult, but he comes in and just acts like he doesn't care. And you have to for a lot of those positions. But he he does put his own twist on it because he really yeah. isn't as smart as he as he thinks he is. No, yeah. And I recognize that character 
right away. When I when I worked in kind of a corporate environment, office space had only been out for a couple of years, and that was kind of our Bible that we lived by. Was like every character in that movie we knew in the office, and and the same thing with Adam Scott's character here. You know that character if you work in an office. He's he's there somewhere. Absolutely. All right. So how do you sell somebody who hasn't seen this movie? on the seeing this movie how do you how do you describe this to someone um uh, for an office worker again it's easy hey it's you daydream while you're at work imagine that is a movie but you're also single and trying to get into dating apps which is another curveball altogether which i love this movie for for going into that (laughs) um but to put it simple it's an imagination piece um all about self-reflection and and more self-worth thinking about how you mean to yourself. Yeah. Okay. What about you? Now, were you, <laughs> what about me? Well, I know you normally ask that question. How, how would you describe it? If you had to ask somebody for the first time to watch this? Um, I, th- I think you hit on a lot of the good points there. I, I mean, it's, it's a movie about surviving the main mundane world through fits of imagination, but it's also about, Man, the the line that really hit me hard. I saw this movie originally in the theater and then hadn't revisited it until watching it for for this. And the line that hit me really hard watching it was when he was talking about being a kid and the mohawk. And she made the Mm -hmm. comment about the mohawk. And he said, yeah, I had an idea of who I was and who I wanted to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And that really resonated with me because I think that's something a lot of people, if not everybody, can relate to that once upon a time, we had an idea of who we wanted to be. And maybe that's not where we've ended up. Yeah, that's actually perfect. Um, short story, if that's okay. Yeah. This movie came out 2013. I was uh, three years into living in Orlando. I moved down on my own and I had mm. no idea what the world was like. I was 23 at the time. Puts a little perspective on it. Uh, trying to put an adventure into my life, get a little bit more to, to the world. And just like this movie, he doesn't see what's right in front of him. And I didn't see that then at the time. And, and even when I saw this movie, it didn't put it in perspective, but I watched it again about a year later. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm in a way living this movie. I am going through my adventure to, to see myself worse and to grow and, and to see where I should be, not where I am. See, I, I, I'm older and I don't know that I have yet reached that adventure of figuring out who I am. And I, I you're just seasoned. That's all. <laughs> I just, I, I, I have that frustration where I'm unhappy with, you know, my job or events in my life or where things currently are. Something I spent a, a lot of last year, a lot of 2019 kind of coming to terms with the fact that I was so dissatisfied and I, I watch a movie like this and I wonder what it would take to be able to, to achieve that potential like, like Walter Mitty does. Absolutely. Um, I, I think the, the quote that he finally gets to read in the, um, in the wallet that kind of carries this movie also, I think, describes it very well. And it's the purpose of life, which is to see the world, things dangerous to come to, to see behind walls, draw closer to find each other and to feel that is the purpose of life. And I feel, I really feel like that is the purpose of this movie to open people's eyes again. Yeah. And I think it, it achieves it. 
I, yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. So why out of all the movies that are out there, did you pick this one? Because you were, you were pretty quick to, to jump on this as your pick for the podcast. I was. Um, so again, I mentioned my personal story a little bit of kind of what I was going through when this movie came out. And I, I'm the youngest of four. My brother right above me also moved down at around year three. We actually saw this movie together. And I think that kind of helped me build more bonds again uh, and kind of reach out and be a little bit more for myself. And that movie alone, uh, as well as it's kind of low, low budget, low marketing, I, I really wanted to get it out into the world. I feel like not enough people have seen it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that there's way too many people that can get value from watching this. Yeah. When I first saw it in theaters, I actually didn't like it all that much. I completely agree. And and it was, I was explaining to, to my girlfriend that it was a, a, a matter of expectation that I'm familiar with the short story by James Thurber. And I watched the trailer for this and I, it really felt like they were going to play up on the, the fantasy element that, you know, his imagination uh, was going to be a big part of the movie. And it is up to a, a point, which I, I do yep. want to talk about a little later, but I was disappointed by my own expectations, which wasn't really fair to the movie. And so I, I really am glad that you brought this one to the show because it gave me the excuse to sit down and watch it again with different expectations this time. And I, I found that I liked it a lot right. this time. It, it, and as I said, especially that one part that, well, just I guess the whole Walter Mitty character in this really resonated with me. Right. And, and I think seeing it at a different time of your life, even if it's only been a year, if it's been seven years um, for yourself, that can impact you and, and make you see it in a different light. And maybe it has that light bulb, kind of like it did for me, where it just showed me I'm not living my best life. I'm not living it the way I should be based on everybody yeah. else's expectations mainly. Yeah. Well, let me jump into the critical side for a minute because that kind of ties into what we're talking about because it, it it's a very mixed movie uh, critically. It's, it sits at 51% at Rotten Tomatoes and at 54% at Metacritic. So it's really kind of half and half. And I was really astonished to see those scores so low because within the last few months, a lot of the critics have been doing their best of the 20 teens list. And this movie has shown up on some of those lists, even if they didn't give it the most positive review the first time around. That's very interesting that it's popped up, but I'm, I'm happy it has. Again, maybe they need to reevaluate some of the movies that have come out. And uh, this is a great one to do that for. Yeah. So taking a look at a couple of things some critics said, and just I'll, I'll ask your thoughts here in a minute. Uh, the positive review comes from Amy Nicholson from LA Weekly. And Nicholson writes, Stiller is a humanist with a keen eye for comic minutia. Even in a sweet moment when Mitty hugs a coworker goodbye, something a lesser director would throw in for a cheap awe, he makes the men awkwardly shuffle a box out of the way. He keys in to what Thurber cautioned Samuel Goldwyn in 1947, the first time the Mitty story made it to film, that the tone should be kept in a high romantic key and should never descend to anything of a slapstick nature. The dreams will be funny simply and only because they are the true representations of the average man's secret notions of his own great capabilities. And on the negative side, the review comes from A.O. Scott from the New York Times, who writes, Though it is a celebration of modesty, there is also quite a lot of vanity in The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. 
Mr. Stiller is not content to be the hero of the story. He turns Walter into an almost martyr and would-be saint, a mystical self-help guru whose journey of self-discovery makes him better than everyone else, though of course he is too enlightened to say so. There is a contradiction here. An ordinary fellow should not have to be quite so special to win our admiration. Hmm. So thoughts on those? Well, I I agree with the positive one um, in the big word that hit me was human. This, this movie is very human, very average. And that's important to see those little parts of him having humanity. Uh, for instance, when he's skateboarding and he, of course comes back up later in the movie where he's like, yeah, I used to skateboard. My dad was really into it. Uh, fun fact about that. The skateboarder, uh, I was watching it with my brother in theaters and he's like, huh, those are all Rodney Mullins tricks. And <laughs> Rodney Mullen goes rolling up. But again, those are little things of life. Hey, you learned this a long time ago. Share it with somebody. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other part of the, the negative one of the journey of self-discovery and him being more enlightened than others. I kind of agree with it because he does do some extremes like just jumping on a plane, definitely going to the Alps. But it's also showing that we need to take risks to experience life, to know that there's more than just that desk job you're going to. So I, I guess jumping away from the movie a second because of what you just said, what inspired you to take the risk of moving to Orlando on your own? <laughs> I was 20 and I was uh, pretty over Ohio, not seeing the value in the state itself. Growing up around Cincinnati, there is pretty much King's Island to do, and that's about it. <laughs> so do you feel like you connect with some of Walter's leaps of faith here because you've taken one of your own? I do. One of the leaps of faith I took while I was down in Orlando is going to BlizzCon for the first time. Huge thing I've always wanted to do. Um, But I've already moved to another state. Um, I had moved six times within four years. Um, I, I had several different jobs, mainly just to try to support myself. And now I'm trying to take on going to a convention, one of my life dreams. And how do I afford that? Well, scrounging and putting that goal on my radar and saying, I'm going to hit this. I need roughly a thousand dollars. I can do this. And I did. And I have gone three times total now. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a, it's quite the experience. And I think any fan should get the chance to go once, which is why I didn't go last year. I wanted other people to have that opportunity, but also I had some life issues going on too. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think that's where I have my biggest regrets in my life is looking back at the chat at all those kind of challenges that I didn't take on or those leaps of faith that I didn't take. You know, I mean, I, I had aspirations for careers in very high risk areas and I settled for security rather than pursuing those. And I, I watch a movie like this where, you know, that's Walter Mitty. He gave up on his dreams of, you know, skateboarding or whatever, because his dad died and he had to take care of his family. Right. He, he stepped up in the role that he needed to at the time. And then I think what's so important about this movie is that here he is maybe in his fifties. Finally at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't make us older than we need to be. (laughs) (laughs) But here he is finally saying, you know, I, I should have done this a long time ago. I'm, I am stable and and it's being taken away from me. Now is my time. Yeah. 
I just, I don't see myself jumping on a <laughs> plane to Iceland or Greenland or anything like that. And I certainly don't want to swim with porpoises because it's not a porpoise. <laughs> it's not a porpoise. <laughs> but that was kind of, that's, that's where this movie was hard for me to watch is I haven't taken those risks. And there's a part of me that mourns that a little bit. And there, there's a part of me, I guess the movie gives me hope that there's still the opportunity to do that. But like, I'm in a place in life where I have a job, uh, you know, I'm not thrilled with it, but it's stable. I have a son that I'm responsible for, you know, I have animals that I'm responsible for. It's not like I can just uproot and follow my passions and, or follow my dreams. So it's, I, I don't know. There's a conflict within me that the movie causes. It's not a problem with the movie itself. It's that, that just kind of, that's the response I have to the movie. Absolutely. I'm, I'm grateful for all the opportunities that I had, especially moving to Orlando. I, I again, couldn't have done it without my mother and grandmother helping me out one point uh, financially, but I, I hope everybody else gets that chance. And like you said, you regret that you didn't, but what opportunities did you come across that seem mundane to this point that I have an experience that would have benefited me and grown myself as a person? Oh, that's a good perspective. That's, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. We all interact uh, with so many different things every day and, and we do the same one over and over again, there's a chance that someone's never done that. So we see it as kind of simple and, and too easy. And we want more from life when other people just want the chance to try that. That goes to the conversation we were having earlier about Facebook that, you know, the, the perspective that you're, and, and, and that's the other thing that I kind of got out of this, you know, is yeah, I'm disappointed by maybe I haven't gotten to f have those same risks or I, I I missed my opportunity to take those same risks, but I can't judge my life by other people's highlight reels. That's I told you I was going to pull it back. <laughs> um, you know, I, I look at people I'm friends with on Facebook, some people I've known my whole life, some people I barely know, and I, I try really hard not to fall into that trap, but it's hard. And it's hard to look at a movie about a fictional character who makes these leaps and not be a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that, that kind of brings up one of my other favorite quotes from a very popular video game nowadays. Uh, that's never accept the world as it appears to be, dare to see it for what it could be. And that one comes from Overwatch. I play Overwatch and I don't recognize that. Who says that? If you watch the recall short, um, the one with baby Winston and the doors open, you see the, the earth and it's glowing. And that's when uh, Dr. Winston oh, yeah. says that to him. That's right. Yes. Okay. I know that now. Boy, now I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> it's been my phone screensaver since that came out because it is, again, a constant daily reminder of I am doing something maybe mundane. How can I make it different today? How can I make somebody else's day different? And also try to do that positively. Yeah. That's a really good attitude. I need to adopt that. Sorry to take it so deep, but that's kind of what Walter Mitty's doing for his mother throughout the movie as well. He's she, her father, or his his dad passed away. Got that grand piano. I I really need this to stay in the family. I need to do what I can for my mother so that she can stay happy. Right. Well, and when he gets to the end and and has to sell it, you know that's that's his statement: is you, you shouldn't have had to do this. This was my responsibility. He's he's put that responsibility on his shoulders since his dad died, even when his mother and sister didn't. He put it there. Absolutely, and and as you were mentioned earlier, we have responsibilities. You have your son, responsibility to your son, 
your girlfriend, your, your animals. And that's a rule that we've put in ourselves, just, just like a rule of gravity. We know it's real, but how can we change that? How can we adapt it to use it in a way that's good for us? And like you said earlier, you can't just uplift your life. You could, um, but the risk doesn't outweigh what you have now. Right. Exactly. Where him, he has no risk. He's losing his job. He doesn't have that choice. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's the the stakes for what he's doing. I mean, aside from the 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 fact that he's facing death with a couple of the maneuvers he has to do, you know, trying to to outrun an active volcano or you know jumping into the water or that kind of thing. But but you're right. I mean, he he has his mother and his sister who are reliant upon him. But the truth is that they're adults. He has no job really. He has, you're right. He has very little to, to risk when he, when he takes those chances. Right. Good thing. I finished my boot before this uh, podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about that. That scene still cracks me up with oh, the drunken pilot it. who gets in his face and starts poking at his face and that kind of stuff. Yes. And then so the funny. realization that this is the pilot that he needs to ride with. And, and again, he's so focused on his goal, he can't see that this man is, is dying inside. Sure, he cheated on the one person and eight people. Well, and the joke there is that there's only eight people in Greenland in the movie, that Walter only sees eight people the entire time he's in Greenland. Yep. <laughs> it is wonderful. Um, yes, that, that scene was absolutely pivotal and very important to this movie, especially the thumb. Uh, yeah, I, the, the thumb. Hi guys, I'm Dean. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the Movie Journey Podcast. Where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. We're also home of the Pod V Pod, where we battle other podcasters in various movie games and drafts. We also do reviews of new releases, film tournaments, top five lists, and talk about everything else we've watched as well. We used to be the IMDb Journey Podcast, but since then, we've grown and matured with age. Yeah, if you don't believe us, why don't you listen to some more Genuine Testimonies? Oh, hey guys, I uh, I used to like the IMDb Journey podcast, but since then I've found something even better. It's the Movie Journey podcast. Oi, bro, I know I said the IMDb Journey podcast was a good show, but the Movie Journey podcast is so much better. Absolutely for sure, yeah. You know, I used to think that nothing could be funnier than IMDb Journey, but I've now found my joy in Movie Journey podcast. The IMDb Journey Podcast is nothing compared to the Movie Journey Podcast. Absolutely love this podcast. <laughs> oh, amazing oh, testimonies once again. Absolutely legit and real. Of course. And if you still don't believe those testimonies, go ahead and check out the show for yourself by searching for the Movie Journey Podcast. You can find us on all your favourite platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and Podbean. So come along and join our journey. One of the things that I absolutely love about this movie, because it's good storytelling. Absolutely. Is that it It plants the seeds, and you actually, I meant to bring this up a minute ago when you brought it up. It plants the seeds of really important things through mundane exposition, but it does it in a way that's not in your face. So you have the scene with him and his mother. You know, they're going through the box of his stuff, and there's the picture of him with having won the skateboard competition. 
And so you get the information that he was a skateboarder. But the importance of that is that that was right before his dad died. Absolutely. So they're not shoving in your face that he was a skateboarder, even though that then comes back into play several times later in the movie. You know, there's there's all these little things that are planted so that they can build on it later, but it's not done in a way that's in your face. And I, I always prefer that kind of storytelling. And also how Kristen Wiig uh, sees the pictures. She's like, oh, it's like a murder mystery. And there's so many, many murder mystery podcasts right now. And I love how she mentions that because that's exactly what they're trying to set it up. Not a, not really a murder, but a mystery. Hey, what could these right. mean? It's keeping it subtle, but also giving that character an in. Yeah. And he, that was that was one of my other issues when this movie first came out is that as a writer, one of the things I've learned is that you want to avoid dating your work through cultural references. So you want to avoid, you know, eHarmony and Facebook and Instagram. And they reference all of those in this movie. But who would have thought in 2013 that a lot of that stuff would still be around, you know, almost a decade later? I completely agree with that. It is amazing. <laughs> you want to become Instagram friends or Facebook buddies? Oh, right. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and weirdly enough especially down in orlando that was a common thing it's hey i i, I want to get your number no it was hey are you on twitter are you on instagram let's connect and then we can follow each other <laughs> now you did bring up when you were talking about you know selling the movie to someone who hasn't seen it you did bring up it diving into the world of online dating is that a venture that you've had to go down the road of it absolutely is when I was <laughs> when I was younger, it was easier because cell phones just came out. So all you have to do is text or call someone, and hopefully you don't run out of minutes. Uh, but now there's at least a few dozen apps that people would rather use to date with, and that is intimidating. and And you don't get the chance that you get when you just meet someone because that chance is taken from you because the the person on the other end. They're, they're the one taking the chance. They're either going to take it from you and say, he's not attractive enough, or I don't like what he said. And uh, it, it makes dating very difficult nowadays. Yeah, I've had my own ventures in online dating. And that opening scene with Walter trying, trying to, to muster wink. up the courage just to hit the wink button. Like, I know that feeling. Yeah. Like, they, just looking at it going, do I dare take a chance? Because for guys especially... You know, it, it's a very one way street as far as the online dating that it's usually the guys who reach out to the girls and the women are so inundated with responses to their online profiles that they don't respond to everybody. You know, I mean, I've, I've had conversations with female friends about this. In fact, a, a, one of my friends and I were writing his and her experiences in the world of online dating for a, a brief period of time. So I, I'm, I'm very familiar with that. It really is, even though it's just clicking a button on the computer, it really is mustering up courage to do that because you may not get a response. It may be an act of just right. utter misery because you'll you'll be there waiting then, did she get it? Is she going to respond? And you never hear anything. And in that way, our mind switches it instantly to be a form of rejection. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I've been happily dating the same girl for the last year that we've also met through an app. Uh, the one, you know me, I like to spin it positively. The one positive thing is we have all of these crazy experiences from online dating to share with each other and have a good laugh about. 
Yeah, that was actually, for me, the fun of online dating was doing that. Like when I would get a date is going out and sharing our experiences about online dating. And since I I wasn't in it for very long and didn't have as many stories, but I got some doozies of stories from women. I mean, I, I got some hellacious stories from the women as far as experiences that they had gone through. And suddenly, when you understand their side of things, you know why they don't respond to every you know note of interest that they get. Yeah, but you want to take yeah. notes. Should I put this on my profile that I won't do this, or will they believe me? Right. Yeah. No, they won't believe you because no. there's lots of guys who say they won't do that and then do. <laughs> also, I'm I'm only five eight, not five ten. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I'm not doing online dating anymore. It it hurts constant rejection, which we get throughout all day, every day. Um, to only have it in, in a way that you want it romantically uh, to be shut down daily. It's difficult. And I feel for everybody out there going through that now, just know that if you keep trying, just like Walter does throughout the movie, you will reach that point where you, you get to where you want to be. And that might not be with anyone. You might grow from it based on the experience, not who you end up with. And if things are going wrong, you will not get a phone call from Todd at eHarmony to help you out. <laughs> I would love Patton Oswald to call me up. That'd be wonderful. Right? I, I, that's And that's another one of those seeds that they plant early in the movie, the fact that he's in LA. Right. That comes into play later on. Again, not put in your face, just a minor thing. But I was just so overjoyed to hear Patton Oswald's voice yeah. that that just kind of, I just, I love that man. He's such, such a good actor. And, and a little role like this can go a long way in his hands. Absolutely. And I love how, again, it draws it back at the end of the movie. He's in LA. He's at customs. He can't get through. Who do you know here? There's only one person. Oh yeah. Right. And again, as I said, not in your face, but yep. It was mentioned earlier in the film. Yep. So the, the, the fantasies of the original short story were significantly more mundane than the ones presented here. And I, I kind of like to think that that's not because it's an adaptation for a movie, but because we've changed as an audience since the time Thurber wrote that story in the 40s. You know, that now our fantasies are these based on big budget blockbuster movies. Very true. What of the fantasies did you really like? What of the fantasies did you feel like were too far? All right. I'm going to have to pull it up right away. When... Right after that skateboarding scene where he's showing Rich how to do some tricks and uh, it goes into the Benjamin Button, but not really. That was hilarious and disturbing all too well. Yeah. And one of the reviews I was reading, and I unfortunately I didn't pull a clip from it, but they pointed out, you know, that it's not done right, but that's because he hasn't seen the movie. It's from he's his referencing Benjamin Button, but he doesn't know actually know the movie. So the reference that gets it wrong because Walter Mitty gets it wrong. Which is very clever, and the, what Kristen Wiig says is very Kristen Wiig-ish. Um, so I love that she got that the opportunity to play herself a little bit. But if if I had to change one, it would probably be that one. I'm not sure what I'd change it to, but that's the one that does pull me out of the movie. And at one point, I was like, okay, this is a little much. <laughs> yeah, given I mean, this is Ben Stiller. Uh, if you haven't seen his skit being the stuntman for Tom Cruise on Mission Impossible 2, you need to check that out. Uh, he is the guy who you know did the Oscars dressed up as one of the aliens from Avatar. So 
doing a parody of another movie almost felt very Ben Stiller as opposed to Walter Mitty. Right. And, and again, I'm just building my perspective on that scene based on my knowledge of him. If I would have had that, I probably would have enjoyed that very much. Oh, so you didn't know about those other things? I I didn't, to be honest. I I do watch a lot of his films. Uh, I'm actually amazed at how involved he was for this one. Um, But no, I have not seen those little skits. I'll have to look those up. The Tom Cruise stuntman is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. I still love that one. And that's part of the, because I'm a fan of mission impossible Two, which I know isn't a popular sentiment, but uh, I, I just, I love that one, but yeah, him also showing up to the Oscars as a blue alien was quite funny as well. <laughs> a little going away from that. I think they're so important that there's what, maybe only four or five times that he's really imagining. And it really takes him out. It's so important for that scene after he fights the porpoise, uh, that he's touching that guy's face. Oh my gosh, it was real. This is all real. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's like three fantasies in the first 10 minutes of the film, which again, you know, I went in thinking this expectation of it really being based on fantasy and the first 10 minutes of the film kind of follows that. Right. And then they start getting a little less and less, although I still love the huge battle over the stretch Armstrong oh, between God. him and Adam Scott's character. That that's probably my favorite right there oh, skiing yeah. on the pavement and that kind of stuff. But I, I wrote down in my notes and again, I had been since it was in theaters in 2013, since I've seen it, I, I wrote down on my notes, you know, that he sees that flock of birds on his way to the volcano, that that becomes the moment that reality becomes more sublime than his fantasies. Right. When he sees Kristen Wiig's face in the birds. And what I didn't realize is that's the last fantasy. Yep. He doesn't have another one after that. I was dead on with what I wrote down in my notes. At that point, that's the transition point where his life is now becoming that adventure and he doesn't need the fantasy anymore. Absolutely. He's he's realizing he's in this right now. This is what life is about. Yeah. And I, I love that moment. I mean, I think it's great that they put in the birds appearing as her face. You know, I, that's a neat moment, but that's just a gorgeous moment. As for a lot of the travel, I mean, the for, for somebody who's hunting down a world photographer for Life magazine, he gets to go to some beautiful landscapes. That's another reason why I picked this movie, the cinematography in this and, and how the film is shot and just the scenes we get to see of the Alps. We'll never get to go there. <laughs> Iceland maybe <laughs> Iceland's a, a nice little venture and I would love to go on vacation but there's a good chance I'm not going to see a volcano erupting even though that's CGI but besides the point it is beautiful how well it's done yeah it's a gorgeous movie in places and it's gorgeous in two different ways one the landscapes I just absolutely love the landscapes but two some of the the visual effects some of the the transitions they make like when he sees yes. Kristen Wiig's character through the loop and the way that shot is where everything else is hazy except for her is just for a man who's smitten with this woman. That is the perfect visual representation of it. To bring up two others, he's looking at the photo of the water and then it starts moving. And next thing you know, it's the pool that he's sitting at inspecting these photos. Which is like huge red flag to the audience that that's the water in, you know, that's, that's, that's important. Uh, And then the other one, Again, the simple one, he's flying from New York to uh, Greenland and it's the plane goes up, it gets dark, he has his dinner and everything, and then it gets light as he lands. I just, I also just love the running through the airport to catch that plane 
because you have the the words of that mission statement right appearing subtly in the background so like the word over the ticket counter is you know the things dangerous to come to right it's and perfect. then the next thing is to the to see behind walls and it's it's spread throughout that series of shots of him running through the airport and it's yep. it's so wonderfully done like how does the guy who did tropic thunder which i love <laughs> But how does the guy who does Tropic Thunder do something so artistic here? Yeah, I'm not sure. And, and I love it. Again, he's taken off and it's that last part. That is the purpose of life. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Tropic Thunder because that was the first movie that I got paid to screen when I was working at the movie theater when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it was rough. It was one o'clock when that movie started and I was not ready to watch it. <laughs> my, my experience with that movie is akin to you going to uh, BlizzCon. Is that that was the one time I went to San Diego Comic-Con as press. Wow. And a lot of the experience going as press was not fun because I was essentially in a back room waiting for the celebrities to come off of their panels and then come to this back room for interviews. Right. But Tropic Thunder was screened there like two weeks in advance of it actually hitting theaters. They did a special video introduction by Jack Black, Ben Stiller, and uh rdj where they argued over who was the biggest geek but i was watching it a a row in front of the guys from ain't it cool news um several of the cast members of the movie were there in attendance so that was one of my kind of especially as a movie guy that was one of my sublime experiences tropic thunder (laughs) absolutely i'm not gonna not going to talk bad about that movie. We already talked bad about other movies. I had a great time watching it. It was just, I was just got done with a 10 hour shift and now I have to sit for two more hours and watch the movie and stay awake. So that was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I got to love late night shifts working for a movie theater. <laughs> Still one of the better jobs though, to be honest, it's, it's simple and you get to see free movies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you're a photographer. What's the quintessence of life? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't have done him, um, but that end reveal is absolutely amazing. Why wouldn't you have done him? That's a great question that I don't have a good answer to. <laughs> <laughs> but but you came to that answer so quickly that you wouldn't have done Walter. So there's got to be a reason behind that. Um, I think it just, again, drawing back to the first time I saw the movie when you don't know what the cover is, you still don't know what the cover is. It's the end of the movie. You finally get to see it and you're like, that is not at all what I expected, which is perfect for the movie. Oh yeah. Um, but then you've seen some of the other shots that Sean has done and you're like, there's so much potential to have an amazing cover to really have the purpose kind of like the first shot of the earth from the moon, how amazing that was. I was thinking something along that lines Uh, and for the movie, this is the correct picture. Yeah. Because he's using the double meaning of life, not just as life, but also as the magazine that here is the heart of the magazine. Yeah. And again, he is there for 25 years. He never missed one. He said, (laughs) yeah, we take his word on it. I love that, that that ends up being the, uh, I, I love that that ends up being the picture. I also love the series of events that kind of gets it to him, you know, right. that it, it was in the wallet and he's dumped the wallet, but his mom being just an excellent mom saved it. And I didn't feel like that was contrived to me. That felt true to her character. Absolutely. 
it's in there because she even says right before that you do that one thing. What is it? And the sister chimes yeah. in, zones out. Yeah. You do that from time to time. Yeah. And you do, I believe you see her watch him throw the wallet out. You have to kind of watch closely for that part. Right. But yeah, it, it definitely reflects my own mother. And she said, I always keep your knickknacks. Now it's just <laughs> another one, another lovely, subtle throw in there that we didn't think yeah. was going to resurface. And, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, you know, what a cast and Shirley MacLaine as his mom. She's so wonderful in this tiny little part. I mean, she just, she, she takes what little time she's been given and does an excellent job with it. I totally love her in this movie. Absolutely. And then this the sister, I can't remember her real name. Uh, Catherine Hahn. Yeah. Again, also from Step Brothers and a lot of other movies. Uh, I love to get to see her again, kind of to be Rizzo. Yeah. <laughs> so well, perfect. and I, I noticed a tiny little detail about her character before we've even met her. We get the sense of her, her level of irresponsibility because one of the items in his checkbook is uh, Odessa skipping jury duty fee. Oh, I missed that. That she, uh, you know, and, and she skipped jury duty and he paid for it because he's the responsible one. Right. And that's before we even meet her character. <laughs> I'm not saying my other siblings are irresponsible, but I, I, I still feel a little bit more like Walter in that uh, respect. <laughs> All right, man. What else you want to talk about before we move to the closing credits here? Um, Again, I just want to state how important this film was for myself and how beneficial I can think for others to be able to see it. And then like, like I mentioned earlier, there, there wasn't a whole lot of marketing for this. The trailer we talked about uh, very briefly is only the first 10 minutes. Like you said, the, the yeah. trailer is all about his imagination and the crazy things he thinks of. And, and that's just not what the movie is. Yeah. One other thing I do want to mention before we move into the closing credits and that's the soundtrack. Wonderful. Thank you for being yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I mean, it has, first of all, Arcade Fire, that right. song is like one of my all time favorite songs, but of Monsters and Men, and of course, using Space Oddity, uh, I mean, just some wonderful musical selections that are very fitting for the feel and the tone of the movie. Yeah, and I want to say, um, oh, Still Alive, I think that's the song that was specifically made for this movie. Also just wonderful mo song. Uh, and the, the kind of the hums and it seems so simple, but it really helps keep you in, in the moment of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move into the closing credits here. Our first thing is the algorithm says, uh, these are taken from various algorithms that say, if you like this movie, secret life of Walter Mitty, you'll also like these movies. So this is kind of a lightning round. What do you think about these movies? Do you like them? Do you not like them? Do you not understand why the hell they're connected? That kind of thing. <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Up first, we have something like Mary. Great movie. Um, I haven't seen that in a very long time, but I know that Ben Stiller being in it. Is it like this movie only from the dating perspective? Yeah. Um, I actually, I like Ben Stiller's performance in that movie as well. Yeah. Um, which is weird because it's, it's, it's a weird movie, but, uh, yeah. All right. Yes, man. I just watched that the other day. Perfect movie for this. It's, it was the Walter Mitty before Walter Mitty. Well, before why movie. do you think so? Um, cause he's trapped in his own world too. He doesn't see that 
he, he wants to stay in that mundane. He doesn't want to venture out. He's, he's not happy with his life, but he's not willing to make the changes to make him happy. Okay. All right. 50, 50. Have not seen it yet. It's on Netflix. Ooh. I know I need to, I've been told to keep tissues ready. Yeah. It's, it's a hard movie to watch. I'm ready. And it's also kind of along these lines of somebody circumstances causing them to take that leap of faith, to take that kind of take those risks. Yep. All right. Stranger than fiction. Uh, Will Ferrell did great in that movie. Uh, I, I would say yes. I, I see the correlation. Yeah. Uh, about time. I have not seen that. That one is also fantastic. That's not the first time that's come up in the algorithm says it's, and it's and actually, I had a guest almost bring that movie up. Um, phenomenal uh, comedy slash drama. I'll put it on the list. Uh, Midnight in Paris. Um, I have not seen that one either. I'm sorry. Probably my favorite Woody Allen film. Really? Yeah. All right. Dead Poet Society. Just a wonderful movie. Um, I don't see the full connection. I understand why you'd bring that up um, or why the algorithm would, but I, I don't think it's the best pick for this. Okay. I, I think it's the carpe diem, you know, seize the day, take the yeah, moment. I could see that. Groundhog day. <laughs> yes. Because of the um, unrealistic aspect of having to live every single day and taking advantage of that. Yeah. Okay. And then one that wasn't on any of the algorithms, but I'm going to add in because I can't believe it wasn't on any of the algorithms. U- UHF. I have not seen that. <laughs> it's Weird Al Yankovic and it's essentially oh God, Bull I have Committee. seen this. He has these fantasy segments based on movies. So I have seen this. It's been probably 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> that, that would be about right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Finally, we always end with the pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie uh, you've selected here. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Uh, Number one, this movie languished in developmental hell for quite a while with at least three attempts to make it falling through. Which of the following was not slated to play Walter Mitty in one of the previous efforts? A, Jim Carrey, B, Owen Wilson, C, Seth Rogen, or D, Sasha Baron Cohen? I'm going to take a guess at this one and say Owen Wilson. No, Owen Wilson was attached, actually. Wow. Uh, Seth Rogen was not uh, an option. But Jim Carrey, Owen Wilson, Mike Myers, and Sasha Baron Cohen were all slated, like signed, to play the part in previous adaptations. And I just I want to take a minute. Think about what a, this movie with Jim Carrey or Owen Wilson or Mike Myers would be. I have a lot of respect for Jim Carrey. Uh, I do feel like this... This is the Ben Stiller movie. It should have been him from the beginning. I don't know if I could see Jim Carrey being able to hit the level of understanding that Ben Stiller does, especially with the emotional parts. And yes, Jim Carrey has has gotten emotional. Mike Myers, I'm sorry, I couldn't see it. He's kind of (laughs) outlived his time um, when it comes to a movie of this caliber. Yeah, I agree. Owen Wilson, I haven't seen in a lot lately. And, uh, yes, and, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> and Sasha, <laughs> I'm not, not sure either. Uh, he has a series uh, on Netflix that I haven't gotten to check out yet that looked pretty serious. So I, I do <laughs> want to see that. Yeah, I'll look that up too. All right, number two, one of the final cast members had actually contributed to a previous edition of the script. Which actor served as a script doctor to a version that ultimately ended up being replaced by Conrad's script? 
A, Ben Stiller, B, Kristen Wiig, C, Sean Penn, or D, Patton Oswalt? That's really tough because all four of them are are very smart and know how to work a script. Uh, I'm actually going to say Kristen Wiig. No, Patton Oswalt actually wow. did script doctoring on a previous version, but that script didn't end up uh, being used. So Interesting. Yeah, the the history of the development of this movie is is really interesting. I mean, it had Ron Howard attached at one point, it had Spielberg attached at one point, some some big filmmakers, which kind of brings back the whole well, why wasn't this marketed more? How how has this become such an unknown movie? Well, they kind of ran out of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, number three, while the story of the movie takes Walter to Greenland, Iceland, and Afghanistan, only one country was used as a shooting location for all three locales. What country are we actually seeing? A, Canada, B, Iceland, C, the United States, or D, England? D, England. No, wrong again. Oh, gosh. Uh, They filmed in Iceland. Wow. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah, so Iceland was used as Iceland, but it also was used as Greenland and Afghanistan. That makes sense. It's kind of like New Zealand, where it kind of has a little bit of everything. Yeah. I should have thrown New Zealand on. Yeah, the, honestly, yeah. I, was, I would have answered New Zealand. Because <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the Rings. All right, last one. Which member of the cast was actually featured on the cover of Life magazine during its printed run? A, Ben Stiller, B, Shirley MacLaine, C, Adrian Martinez, or D, Sean Penn? Ben Stiller would be the obvious answer, but I believe it's uh, Sean Penn. No, oh, boy, it's uh, Shirley MacLaine was on the cover of Life magazine wow. four times over its printed run. That is insane. Yeah, so you, you learn some stuff. No big Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. All right, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Uh, you can find me at, at Twitter at at the underscore Kunka K U N K A. Right now, that's where I'm going to be mostly. I am working on. Uh, a few little story bits that I would like to get out in an audio format. Uh, and I will let you guys know there if you'd like to know when that is ready. Yeah. And let me know. I'll be happy to, to you know talk about it on the show as well. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right, Alex, I really appreciate it. As I said, uh, I I'd been looking for an excuse to revisit this movie because it was showing up on so many critics, you know, best of the decade lists. And I, you couldn't have come at a more opportune time with this one. And I hope that this podcast gives other people the excuse to go watch it before listening. Yeah, fantastic. All right. Thank you, man. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, or maybe tell me a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talon Hess on Twitter, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter. On Facebook, it's Have Not Seen This Podcast, or you can email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode, which I haven't chosen yet because I have several options out there, but some of them haven't been recorded yet. But I'm going to continue to keep things light, so you'll be in for some laughs regardless of what movie I choose. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Alex Kunka for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This.